0: everyone if you haven't listened to part one of this episode go check it out before listening to the rest of this one you're gonna want to tune in trust me we're starting at a very random place in the episode and part one is very juicy so go check it out before listening to part two and thank you again to my boyfriend for coming on this podcast with me let's get into it wait you didn't what's your favorite strength of mine I'm not gonna go over that one (laughs)
1: yeah um my uh, I think the most impressive thing about you is that, well, one, you come up with fantastic ideas consistently. You always come up so with So we're a good team. Really good ideas. You're an
0: executor <laughs> and I'm an idea yeah, generator. I, I
1: get ideas as well, but, yes. but you do come up with some excellent ideas. Yeah. Um, you're very good at coming up with ideas and then you're really good at getting on with them as well. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm a doer.
1: And... The other th- good thing about you as a doer <clears throat> is that you don't do the minimum. You always do extra and explore extra routes. Mm-hmm. So you always kind of do that.
0: Yeah, I am.
1: Do yeah. that extra, which just is essential. I some, Something I've kind of realized recently is that there's kind of like a schoolboy or me- or whatever mentality of... Oh, I'll just do what is required to meet this, and that's what I think a lot of people at school and stuff do. They just do what they need to do to mm. to get the the thing done, and that's it. And they kind of think, right, what's what's the easiest path to me getting this completed? But I think the people, a lot of the people that get ahead, are people that do all the extra things, even if even if they're thinking, well. I might not even need this. It's like, just do it. Why not just do those extra things? Because you learn stuff from those extra things. Those extra things will always come in handy. And they're never as hard as your schoolboy mind gives you the image that it is.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's always like, Oh, it's the worst thing to do extra work, Mm. you know, (laughs) extra homework or whatever. But, the people that really get ahead always do that extra stuff and it's never as difficult as you're thinking
0: you're so right it
1: appri- applies to everything and it's like um the gym as well i've just um kind of started applying that pr- principle to the gym because a lot of people they go into the gym and they just they don't do the intensity that they need to to get like 70 percent of the ro- results and some people go up to that point go up to the kind of break even point at the gym but then never go beyond it so it's almost like the gym's just a, a maintenance thing they're never going to get the um the results that they're actually seeking but they're still putting in a lot of effort they're still turning up but just by not doing that extra extra sort of 10 20% they're robbing themselves of so much results. This is applicable to anything, not just the gym, mm-hmm. but you can just, you can just go in and you always think that that extra is going to be so hard, but it actually isn't when you try it. It's the same with work as well. You could, there's so many things that you can do. And it's, there's always just this little lingering idea in the back of your mind that it's going to be so difficult and it's going to be so tough and you want to avoid that at all costs. And then when you do it, you're like, Oh, that was easy and it was actually kind of fun and it was useful. But you are a classic person that particularly in work, always does those extra things, always does those extra add-ons, and you're never scared or reserved in doing those extra bits, and it's just compounded and paid off like crazy over time.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I think I truly do believe that there is always a way. And even if you fail to a crazy, crazy extent, you know, that's, you tried your best and you learned so much from it and then you can move on. Like I don't acknowledge failure until it's completely dried out of possibility. And then you move right on to the next thing. If that fails and try everything. And I hate being out of options and I hate the victim mentality so much. And I hate how I feel in that mentality that if something is not working, I get right up And, um, and I just try something else and I, and I keep going and keep going. And yes, over time, if you want to look back on all the things I took action on that never amounted to anything, I would show you countless hours of pure hard work and sweat and like tears into these projects that probably didn't even amount to anything. There are so many things that I've done that I just put my whole heart into that haven't really paid off at all. And, um, I think that's just been training for me to have that work ethic and just that innate feeling that there is always a way and there is, you know, everything that I've created in my life is in my control and getting out of the victim mentality is something that has helped me a lot with that attitude. Um,
1: Do you ever get that lazy feeling of, I could do this extra thing, but can I be bothered to? Do you ever get that? Because it seems to me like you actually don't.
0: No, I actually don't. (laughs) Like I'll be exhausted. Excited
1: and you want to do the extra bit. No, but I'll
0: tell you why. Because the feeling of sitting and being lazy is worse than the feeling of regret. Or it is worse than the feeling of doing it. The feeling of regret is worse than the feeling of of just doing it. Because the what if always keeps me up at night. What if I did one extra thing and got this and
1: everyone knows that, but but people don't practice it. It's not like they feel the regret in the moment. They feel that Christ, I'd love to just lay back. Oh, I do
0: that in other ways. Scroll. Like I do that with like, they for don't... example, my, my working out has been least on my priority list. It's been my business on the top these days. And I like, yeah. yes, I'll still go and, and do it. But like I half-ass it a lot of the time. Yeah. I only do it really well if it's like a walking or running meditation because then I get really into it. But like mm-hmm. a typical workout, I sometimes I'm just like, oh, bottom my priority list. Like,
1: Yeah, that's, again, we go to the priority there. Mm -hmm. It's just my business is my priority right now. I've been investing so much
0: money into the new app and that's my priority and a lot of people are counting on me and that's the number one thing and I always have something to do and being a business owner, as you know, there's so much pressure on you. There's so much on your shoulders that you have to keep held up and no one is responsible except for you and that feeling I feel like the only way I can control that feeling of safety is just to act on it all the time and to continue to improve Mm -hmm. So I think it's innate in me, but I think it was taught, actually. it was I wasn't born with that because I remember in high school, for example, working at, like, a clothing store, like, I definitely was lazy. Uh, then I was also one of the best sellers in the store if I was rewarded by commission. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you need incentive. And I think a lot of the time when people don't see the potential end result that they can get, they give up. But just seeing the potential and, like, I also yeah. think that, like, we are so lucky to have created a life for ourselves where we're not calling to anyone and we are our own bosses, which means that we create our own hours. And, like, I almost feel like if I'm not utilizing those hours in a way, like I was working a nine-to-five job kind of thing, you know, I could be doing better. You know, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think some people also... St- uh, subconsciously um, Assign their priorities They don't Consciously think about Which thing is their priority And then they just end up doing Doing the thing that they Feel more natural doing Even though it might not be their main goal mm-hmm. And then they just keep Keep doing that So I guess an important exercise Is to really set the priorities Yeah Um. But yeah, I think that's one of the best things about you is that you consistently enjoy going the extra mile and doing the extra thing, you know, doing the accessories, things to the main project or main objective that you have. And that just always pays off. Thank you. It also stops you from being in, a, in such a vulnerable place if you've done those extra things. Because then you've got those other little branches that wouldn't be there if you'd just done.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, I think now is the time in our lives for us to work ridiculously hard and see the results later. Like, that's just the mentality. We're both so in the mode of work and Creating a financial freedom, you know, for future for our future, right? For financial freedom future, Yeah. triple F, um, and that's just our focus, and that's what it should be.
1: Also, part of me doesn't like it when people just call it like work. You need to work. It's like they they make it sound like it has to be unpleasant, and it has to be. You have to like do unpleasant things and stuff. I I think that's like a bad way to f- frame it. Mm -hmm. I prefer to think of it as in you need to get a lot of things happening. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not just, it's not like about work. It's not like, it doesn't have to feel like work. You just have to have a lot of action. You have to be doing a lot of productive things.
0: You need to believe in it and put your all into it. And that's what I think. And also finding something that really works and not giving up on it. Like you've had, you know, in your business the past couple months, you've had some roadblocks that you keep persisting Mm -hmm. and you keep finding new potential avenues, opportunities, but you're more thoughtful. I think this is actually, and not one is right or wrong, but you are more thoughtful before taking action and really try to think of what you should best put your time towards. And I'm more like I'm putting action into everything and seeing what works. Yeah. So I don't know which one's right or wrong. I think people have different strategies. There's so many successful people that have both of our strategies separately. So I don't know which one is better or worse, but.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. You can waste so much time by just (laughs) thinking about which is the right way or just doing one route, which is, you know, your first choice. But then at the same time, you can screw things up and blow things up by tr- trying to do... So. so it's just... I don't know. that comes with experience, that type of decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, it seems to be the people that take lots of action, um, even if it's incredibly clumsy, they, they end up making something work out. Um, but then again, I know some people and I know some examples of people that have just done loads and loads and loads of clumsy things and other people that put the right things in place and then just launched off. But it's got to be a balance between the two.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But you'll learn with experience what?
0: And also I think what has helped from my experience watching you, what has helped you with business is just like being in a place of like not even having other options and just needing to focus on this one thing. Mm-hmm. And then you're really good at it. You know, it's like you are really good at, at figuring it out when you're in a place where it's kind of like all or nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, so moving on, since we're kind of on the topic of business and mindset and that success mentality, we had a lot of questions from people about money and stuff, and we don't need to get into this fully. Um, and of course, neither of us are financial advisors or like, this is not advice for your finances, but we wanted to share kind of, well, I wanted you to share as well, like your main principles when it comes to money and investing. Cause since I met you, You're the one who introduced me to investing. You're the one who has taught me more about money. Like I love my family, love my parents, but they didn't really teach me about money growing up. You know, they don't even know an incredible amount about money themselves Um, and bless them, but they didn't have that, you know, hugely business minded attitude Um, where Ben, you are the one that taught me so much about money. Remember when we first started dating, you were like teaching me about like taxes. (laughs) (laughs) And then I had to pay my taxes in the UK. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't have, like I didn't save my money for this. And like, it was like, we completely works so well in this sense because you taught me so much about what I now know. And Ben was like reading Warren Buffett's book when he was a teenager. And like, you know, from a young age was really interested in this money thing and kind of showcasing your personality, being really good at consistency. Someone like you, like a Warren Buffett, like his main reason he's successful is because the compound interest, the compound effect. You're really good at that. Just seeing long term. I
1: I think like, when I was younger people, no one was talking about it and no one was um like when I was a teenager, it wasn't a well-known thing. I think now it's got it's a hot. lot more um popular and the knowledge and benefits um behind investing it so much more out there and in people's minds at all ages, particularly when people just see the, you know, the, the like examples of, this person puts this much aside every month from this age and then they end up with this and people are always gobsmacked by <laughs> the the final number. Um, but um, yeah, we, um, we watch this guy on YouTube called Graham Stefan.
0: We love him. You guys need to check him out. Graham Stefan.
1: I don't think I've ever disagreed with his advice. It's just it's just bang on, it's all very good stuff and it's worked incredibly well for him. He's he's worth d- double digit millions, and he's I don't think he's even thirty yet. Yeah, um, is he? No, he's not. He's like my age. He's he's not even thirty yet. I don't think. Um, and it's it's nothing crazy. It's nothing um really extreme or adventurous or rare. It's just standard good advice done over time. Yes, obviously the YouTube income has really turbocharged it. Um. But he just made really good steps right from the start. And yeah, he covers like loads of topics, current topics. I think he's a hugely successful YouTuber. Um, but yeah, it's it's nothing crazy advice. I, I don't get into any of the crypto stuff or, you know, buying Tesla a thousand times earnings or something like that. I don't, I don't do that. I don't think you need to do that to get rich. I think that's kind of the hype closer to gambling than, yeah. than investing. You roll
0: your eyes. Whenever I tell you I invest in crypto. Yeah.
1: I don't, I'm not against crypto, you but
0: are. you wouldn't, you wouldn't really invest in it.
1: I, I personally wouldn't. Um, Cause you don't, but well, yeah. I, I might put a t- like small percentage in, but it, I, I don't think it's anyone's ticket to getting rich. I think the people that actually have got rich, bought it a long time ago before anyone was talking about it um
0: well i am interested in seeing where crypto crypto goes um i i don't know i think with with stocks and investing in stocks i'm kind of like you in the sense that i want to invest in something more safe like the s&p 500 and stuff but i'm i like to gamble a little bit so i put a tiny amount into Ethereum, to be exact, <laughs> and I'm really I'm I'm down like thirty percent right now, but I'm holding on to it.
1: I think if you're in your twenties and you're planning on holding something for many many years, then I think you can absolutely pick stocks. But as long as you're not, as long as they're just good underlying companies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't buy it because other people are buying it and because the price has gone up a lot recently it just never works out that way over time. I don't know.
0: So just to kind of give you guys an example about, you know, what you were just saying about the infographic uh, that gives an example of if you invested this amount every month for 40 years, you'd have this. I've just found one and this is how crazy investing is. Like over time, if you invest $160 a month into S&P 500 index fund, reinvest the dividends, wait 40 years. The total contribution after 40 years would have been like $76,000 and the value would be over a million dollars. So for everyone thinking, oh, investing is risky, investing in something like the S&P 500, technically, I would think in my personal opinion, it's riskier not to put your money into something like that.
1: Yeah, just as early as you can, try and get into the market, whether it's property or stocks or an index, like you were just saying. Um, I think you just you can miss out a lot by not being in the market. That being said, it's not ideal to buy in while it's whilst it's all inflated. But if you watch Graham Stephan, he buys in every month, no matter what the price is. And Mm. uh, so many studies and statistics have shown that that more or less beats any other strategy other than actively managed strategies where some hedge fund manager who's some sort of genius is able to get an edge on that. But I think there's been like 20 different money managers in the history of investing Who've consistently beaten the S and P five hundred over like a fifteen or twenty year period? There's really? been about twenty in history.
0: No way! Yeah,
1: it's it's incredibly rare. So, pe- so people, and it might be you know people with loads and loads of money put their money into these hedge funds and stuff, and over time, it's they get the same performance as they would if they just bought an S and P five hundred index fund.
0: Wow, that's insane.
1: Yeah, but it's it's a well-known fact. It's out there.
0: And okay, some questions for you kind of on this money topic. Um, and I wanna know this for myself and obviously for the listeners. Let's say you had $100,000, okay? How much, what percentage of that would you put into a savings? What percentage of that would you put into um, stocks? And what percentage would you have to spend? Like what, how do you break down your money personally, just off the top of your head? If I asked you this, what would you say?
1: It would, to, to me, sorry, I've just got the cash. It's just yeah, landed. I
0: just gave you $100,000. Why don't we try it out? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know my details. Yeah. Um, so it would it would depend on the market and what the kind of prices of things are. If it was like, if everything had just crashed and suddenly I've got hundred K I would put a generous amount into stocks and an index fund because you're buying everything at a discount. Um, and it's gotta be stuff that, you know, and that you know, the, the underlying value of it and you can tell that it's, um, a good price and it can't, can't really go much lower than where it is. Um, so it would depend on the time. Now I feel like everything's just so bubbled up. It's everything's valued higher than I've ever seen it. So I would probably keep more in cash, like mm-hmm. ready to strike. Mm-hmm. You know, if some if things go down. Um, that being said, there's also an incredible amount of inflation happening and no doubt coming. So that means that when you hold stuff in cash, it goes down in value. But if if it's on a hundred grand, it's gonna be it's like a few dollars here and there because it's um small percentages
0: do you think there's going to any market crash
1: um i don't think a crash but i i'm sure there will be a correction yeah a correction at some point whether it's like a really slow boring one where it doesn't move for six months or something that's happened before just everything's completely flat for six months so they're one of the most annoying ones because yeah. it's like if you're holding cash and you're wanting to a great opportunity to buy in, you just don't get it, and then you, you're in the same position as people who bought in high and it just stayed there. Um, but
0: so the hundred grand, let's say right now.
1: Well, because because we get you know sometimes we get some quite big bills mm-hmm. suddenly, and you know for my business stuff, I like I need to have a fair bit of cash around to do certain things you know instruct someone to do something um so i probably i probably keep maybe like 40% of that in cash and then more or less invest the rest um probably just be in stocks and shares, index funds, that kind of stuff. It's probably what I would do. Mm-hmm. And what that. other
0: ways for people? Like, and maybe
1: I wouldn't buy it all in one go. I'd kind of trickle it in.
0: Mm-hmm. So what other ways can people earn money from their money? Do you think? So obviously real estate you have, you own a home in the UK.
1: Yeah. So, so I've got like a, uh, a rental home. It is quite a bit of work. Um, And if you don't want it to be a lot of work, you have to sacrifice your uh, returns a fair bit. If you're getting like an agent to do everything, you know, they take a cut, quite a big cut. And then, and you, you can get taxed on it quite a lot. So I get taxed on my um, rental income and it is quite a lot versus here. Obviously we can, invest in stocks and things and not have to pay their capital gains and stuff. So there's a big benefit for that.
0: Well yeah, a lot of people actually don't even know that you don't pay tax in the Bahamas. Well, you don't pay income tax.
1: In in, the yeah. Bahamas. Income, capital gains, corporate they don't have so any of those. It's they, zero they have, tax rate. They here. have VAT and stuff like that.
0: On products, yeah. Yeah.
1: So um people in the UK will know what that is. But yeah, it's like sales tax. So and that's not small. It's like twelve percent. So they do collect tax. It's just not in the conventional way, in all the conventional ways. But yeah, so for us, it makes more sense mm-hmm. to stay away from real estate because mm-hmm. we have that benefit. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways. There's lots of different ways that I don't even know about. Um, but I think if you're getting into something and you're putting a decent amount of money into something, you've got to personally know quite a, a lot about it. At least be intermediate in your knowledge about it. And that can be just reading on the internet and things like that. But you got to be confident that you have a good understanding of it and don't buy stuff just because it's, trendy. it's just because it's going up. And if it's going up in price, that means it's trendy. Um, so that's just people do that time after time, after time throughout history. And they always think it's new or different this time but no, it's the exact same principle. It's always, it's going up because it's going up. People are seeing it go up and then they're putting more money in, which is driving it up more. And that just happens so many times in history. It's repeated over and over again. I think Warren Buffett said, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are uh, fearful. Mm. So that means when, when people are greedy, when they're just, buying stuff just because their neighbor made lots of money on it and they have no idea about it and really understand nothing about it and they're just putting their money in because their neighbor made money, that's when you should be fearful because that's where it can come crashing down and you can really get burnt. And so many people have been burnt by these like day crashes by Well, if you sell. Yeah, which a person that has got in with no knowledge is likely to do.
0: Yeah, so that's the thing, guys. If... You invest in stocks and for some reason one of them is super low one day and goes down like 45% and you see that you've lost half your money. I would recommend not selling it right away out of fear to lose the rest because, I don't know, in my experience, it likely goes back up over time unless it's...
1: If you've bought something good. If you bought something good. And that's the whole point. You have to buy something that you know is good and you don't care if the price goes down because you know... it's worth it. It it shouldn't be valued any less than this. Um, but yeah. And then greedy when others are fearful. So when other people are fearful and they've sold everything, like the classic example is in the middle of March, in the middle of the COVID, um, crash, it went right down and all these great companies were on, um, discount, crazy discounts for no logical reason other than People thought it was going down, so they tried to rip their money out before it went down any further, um, you know, thinking it's the end of the world and it'll never come back. Um, and it would be, and and it's because of COVID, so people are selling things like Facebook stock and stuff like that. Why would you, why would Facebook be hurt by coronavirus and people be being stuck at home with nothing to do than, mm-hmm. other than be on Facebook? You know, it's going to be the opposite. Um, so sometimes panic overrides logic and that's something you can take advantage of. I and remember, if you had bought in, in March, you'd, uh,
0: yeah, you'd be up so You'd much. have at
1: least doubled your money on almost everything.
0: I remember in March I invested in an airline and then I, I sold it when it went up like by 30% or something. Remember I made like.
1: Yeah. You did very well from that. Yeah,
0: I made 30%. I put like a big chunk of money in an airline and this was just like a little bit of gambling you
1: did you just bought you basically bought it at like peak panic at the right at the bottom and thinking thinking this is um your your kind of strategy was this this is just over the top bad valuation for this particular airline i'll buy it here and at some point it's gonna lift up to a more sensible level and then i'll exit it
0: yeah, and then when it went up 30%, then yeah. I sold it. I didn't and really care to hold still, it. it's probably still,
1: I'm pretty sure, because the airlines have been incredibly badly hit. There's no doubt yeah. about it. It's, COVID has had a proper material impact on airlines. Let's see. Um, but you just saw it right at that trough, and you thought at some point in the near future, it's got to lift up a bit from that trough.
0: Yeah, it and is actually still at the same point that yeah. I sold it at. Um one of my bad investments though. Well, maybe not bad cuz I'm still holding on to it, but a couple of years ago when Beyond Meat was a big deal in the stock market, I was greedy when everyone else was greedy, not fearful, and I put in some money into Beyond Meat. And I think it's a great company and I think it will do very well in long term. Um and it was the cutest thing. This is one of the first stocks I ever bought. And um I remember then we were in London at the time. And I told you I wanted to invest in it and you like printed out the whole deck of, of all their financial stats and, and all that stuff for me. And you came to my house after you were working and you were like showing me, like you printed out this whole, like it was the
1: annual report,
0: the annual report. And you printed up this huge, like massive, like binder essentially. And like, we read through it together and you were teaching me and it was the sweetest thing. It was a very fond memory of mine. Oh um but yeah so i'm saying it was maybe not the best investment because 2 years later i'm down um 33%. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's never come back.
0: And well it will in the future. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. going to hold on yeah. to it for years. I'm not this is the thing i haven't lost the money technically because i haven't sold it. So i'm holding on to it and i'm pretending that money doesn't exist and i'm down, you know. <laughs> Yeah, a good amount.
1: It was just good that you didn't need that. Yeah, um, so I'm pretending it doesn't exist. But yeah, if you're putting something away to invest it, you shouldn't need it anytime soon. And that's why I said I would keep like 40 percent of that still in cash, one so I could strike when something is really a great opportunity mm-hmm. to just
0: because didn't you invest in Beyond when it was at a better price and you made money off it, or now you're down again? I,
1: I didn't. I well, you just carried on buying it. Uh, as it was like peaking up
0: oh yeah (laughs) the classic Um, like classic because it it was
1: going up you were buying more of it and and it's it hasn't come back to that peak i'm probably at break even with my stuff but i didn't i didn't have very much of it um
0: never invest like this is another thing that i was told don't invest what you would be really really well don't invest what you'd be really sad to lose when it comes to more of the riskier stocks.
1: Yeah. So
0: that's a good piece of advice. Um, anyway, so we've been talking for ages. Yeah. We probably
1: bored people with that.
0: Well, I'm going to make it a two part episode so they can listen to this. Yeah. Um, if they want to. And last but not least, do you have any final words?
1: (laughs) No final words from me.
0: (laughs) We have to have an outro of some sort. We're going to make dinner. You're going to make pizza. I'm going to yep. make something else for myself because I don't really want pizza. Um, And yeah, we're going to have a nice little evening in.
1: Yeah. And, and we're going to turn the air conditioning back on.
0: Oh my God. I'm so hot. I need to put that on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So okay. when, when Mimi's podcasting, we have to turn the air conditioning on? so loud. Because sometimes it just comes on and blasts in the middle of
0: recording. It's so recording. loud. What I do for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll chat soon. Bye.
1: Bye.